This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, July 10th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The massive scale of government requests for American cell phone records, including outright wiretaps, is only beginning to be shared. And in many cases where the government demands information about activity on your cell phone, providers are prohibited from disclosing to you or anyone else that the government ever asked for that information. Julian Sanchez, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, comments. When we talk about government surveillance of cell phone users, there are a lot of different pieces of data that government could be asking for. We're also talking about different levels of government asking for things. And we're talking about some very uh, different circumstances under which the government uh, at some level could be asking for one of these multiple pieces of information. So help us put into perspective what we're talking about. We're talking about government surveillance of Americans' cell phone activities. So it used to be that if you were monitoring someone's telephone, there was a fairly limited amount of information you could get. You could learn uh, who the subscriber was and what their address was, what credit card they were using. Uh, You could, with a, a little bit more legal authority from a court, get a list of the people they were calling and when they were calling them. And then with a lot more authority, you could get Uh, the power to actually wiretap those phone conversations. Uh, But in 2012, uh, a telephone is a much more sophisticated piece of equipment. Um, It is, in a sense, a tracking device. Uh, Phones are now routinely GPS-enabled. In fact, they have to be, by law, GPS-enabled. And so uh, they can be used to precisely locate a person uh, in real time um, or historically to provide a map of where a particular person has been. Um, They can be used to monitor internet connections. We now increasingly use our telephones as uh, our main internet connection. In fact, for uh, young people and um, ethnic minorities in particular, huge percentages of smartphone owners say that they now use that as their primary or only way of uh, getting online. So there are huge amounts of data now, especially as carriers themselves start storing more and more information about subscribers for their own purposes that can be obtained. Uh, The government has for a long time required um, American courts and federal agencies to provide some information about uh, wiretaps and uh, sometimes also pen registers. These are orders for, again, information about calling patterns. But it's increasingly clear that that's a really tiny piece of the puzzle. And finally, really for the first time this year, uh, Congressman Ed Markey asked the major cell providers for an accounting not just of wiretaps but of all the different kinds of information requests they field from the government every year. Uh, And what the New York Times tallied these up and came up with a really astonishing figure of 1.3 million demands for customer information Uh, from these cell phone providers just in 2011 alone. And it's not even clear that that includes the growing uh, amount of information demanded through uh, intelligence authority like the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Um, Orders under FISA, which include national security letters, which are done without a warrant, full FISA wiretaps, And uh, so-called 215 orders for business records typically come with gag orders, which prohibit uh, the recipient from disclosing even the existence of an order. So um, it's not clear how 
the cell phone companies interpreted that requirement, whether they have even included those in the counts that they gave to uh, Congressman Markey. One company, actually, T-Mobile, refused to even uh, give a number of uh, demands that they've received. Um, and what's, in, what's especially clear from some of the uh, providers that broke this information down is that um, you know, wiretaps, which require a pretty high uh, burden of proof before they can be obtained, are really a, an incredibly tiny piece of the puzzle. Now, part of that might be to be expected. Uh, communications that may be incriminating that used to take place via telephone, via a conversation, now may take place via text messages, for example. Or, uh, or via email or any number of other uh, modes of digital communication. Although, you know, if you look at the, the trend over time, you see that the number of wiretaps is uh, certainly not shrinking, even as uh, Americans more and more communicate by means other than traditional telephone conversations. Um, part of what is going on, though, it is clear, is that we've got a lot of requests for information that don't technically count as wiretaps because they don't necessarily involve pulling a communication off the wire or uh, out of the ether in real time. Um, but again, because so much communication is now stored, um, allow police or law enforcement or intelligence agencies to go in and get the records of those communications after the fact, uh, subject to actually a, a lower legal standard. Um, so if you look, for example, at, at Sprint, um, one of the carriers which reported a very high level of um, of information requests, they said that over a five-year period they had uh, 52,000 wiretap orders. And that's such a high number that uh, you have to assume that they're including not just real-time wiretaps, but also other kinds of requests for communications content like voicemail, text messages, uh, things like that, um, 77,000 pen registers, and a really incredible 196,434 requests for location information, meaning the police uh, wanted to uh, be able to track someone. Uh, get their location. And again, here it's not clear whether they're talking about a particular moment in time, uh, several particular moments in time, or just uh, one request that says, from this time to this time, give us all the data locating this person. And you mentioned that uh, these uh, providers are inconsistent about breaking uh, the information down. Right. It's hard to know exactly what uh, what these different categories mean uh, as each provider has counted them. Um, it is clear that the, uh, the numbers are, are truly massive. When you think about those location orders, by the way, um, it's important to keep in mind, as Sprint goes out of its way to note, that the Justice Department has taken the position that uh, location tracking demands, one, do not require a search warrant based on probable cause, but two, do not just apply to the suspect but also to anyone in conversation with them, which is to say uh, if police have a location, location tracking order for a, a particular suspect, they don't even really need to be the suspect since um, unlike a full-fledged search warrant, you can get one of these orders uh, as long as it produces information that they believe will be relevant to an investigation. It could be someone who's not even the target of the investigation. But they also take the position that the location tracking authority applies not just to the particular phone being targeted, but also to anyone who is on the other end of the phone at the time the person's being tracked. So if you have a cell phone conversation uh, with someone who is a suspect or even tangentially related to an investigation, then 
by dint of having that conversation, your location would also be recorded and tracked at least as, as long as you're in communication with those people. So in some cases, these numbers may be double what they actually are. That is, a request for information may actually be producing twice as many results as would be indicated by the providers. If anything, these numbers are probably low. Again, we noted T-Mobile didn't actually provide any kind of count. Um, because there's no requirement really to record this data, um, it's not necessarily the case that the providers have uh, complete records. And again, Sprint went out of their way to note that a lot of the requests they get are in the form of subpoenas. Uh, again, this is a you know, much lower uh, standard of, of, of proof than, than any kind of uh, normal surveillance court order. They get about half a million subpoenas for basic subscriber information every year. Um, and those they note typically include multiple targets. So those, most of those 500,000 subpoenas cover more than one individual. Uh, and that's, that kind of information is less sensitive in some ways. Right? So we're not talking about um, you know, wiretaps when we talk about subpoenas or even um, you know, sensitive calling records of, of, of various kinds that might show uh, more detailed information. But even insofar as we're kind of revealing, as it were, who's on the other end of a communication, uh, you're implicating, for example, rights to anonymous speech. If you use your cell phone to, for example, uh, connect to the internet and you use that connection to write anonymously on a website, um, and then a subpoena is used to identify uh, the, uh, you know, the, the person behind that transactional data, that IP address, for example, um, well, that implicates the right to speak anonymously. So even the, in theory, less sensitive information uh, is not without cause for concern. And indeed, several of the providers uh, suggested explicitly to uh, Congressman Markey um, that they were concerned at how vague the standards were as technology has evolved for things like uh, location tracking, that they were concerned about uh, the use of this um, inappropriately or at least subject to standards that differ from, from place to place and jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And they've actually requested uh, more clarity about that. Um, you know, part of the problem here is that when you're talking about uh, hundreds uh, of requests per day, AT&T, for example, gets uh, about 700 requests every day and about 230 of those are emergency requests, which don't require any kind of warrant or court order. Some of those are people who called 911 and they need, let's say, the location of someone who has had a car accident. Um, others are cases where police come and say there's an emergency. We need to track someone. And even though a lot of these bigger providers have you know, sort of a full-time staff whose job is to comply with these requests, they're not really in any position to evaluate whether there's really an emergency uh, uh, or, you know, how appropriate the request is. Um, there was actually at least one case where a provider did turn over to the FBI a request because they believed it was inappropriate in some way. Um, but the intermediaries here are these providers who are not effectively able to check um, how appropriate these requests are. And while wiretaps eventually have to be disclosed to the target, so at least you know that if, if they have been eavesdropping on your uh, telephone conversations, you will eventually be told about it. Um, 
once the wiretap is over, a lot of these other kinds of information requests don't have any such requirement. So again, if you think about the scale of these location uh, tracking requests, so again, in, in one carrier's case, almost 200,000 location tracking requests over a span of five years, um, in those cases, very often those orders will be sealed and the people who are tracked will never know anything about it. Um, and given that these kinds of requests uh, happen on a much larger scale, obviously, than full-fledged wiretaps, which are harder to get, um, it's just an incredible amount of surveillance that's happening completely under the surface. It's a surveillance iceberg where we have a tiny tip that is reported uh, and then a huge uh, sort of submarine part that is flying totally under the radar. It's just astonishing, I think, to me. It should be astonishing and, and, and outrageous, really, that in 2012, this is the first time we've had anything like this, the first time we really have an overall picture of the incredible volume of information demands going to just one category here, right? Cell phone providers we're not talking about. Google and Twitter and Yahoo. We're not talking about your internet provider unless they're also your cellular provider, so uh, Comcast or RCN or Time Warner. Um, and we're trying to make sound policy and figure out how to prioritize things like finally updating the 1986 surveillance statutes that govern this kind of activity without really the, the most basic and elementary facts about how enormous the surveillance state in America at all levels of government has truly become. Uh, maybe now that we're starting to get an inkling, um, there'll be more public demand uh, for closer scrutiny. Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work on wiretapping and national security letters at our website, cato.org.